David. I'm delighted to be here at UKSG uh, this morning to tell you about a project that was envisaged in the approaching darkness of winter 2010 and how the library I manage sought to protect its good relationship with hospital staff when it seemed likely that cuts were on the horizon. So I work in Tala Hospital Library and it's a public major acute hospital in the foothills of the Dublin mountains and it's a university teaching hospital for Trinity College in Dublin. It's a relatively new organisation and uh, set up in 1998 and it was at the time in Ireland the largest capital investment that the Irish state had ever undertaken. But I'd like to start with scene setting and Mary Pat Fallon writing about IRO, the Irish University Libraries Purchasing Consortium, and she has this to say, academic libraries have always operated in a fairly economically disadvantaged environment and are frequently the first to suffer budget cutbacks in time of difficult financial circumstances. And she goes on to say that spending for academic libraries will of course be reduced. You know, and if this is true of academic libraries in Ireland, it's even more true for health service libraries. Our recently uh, published report, the Shelley Report, February of this year, says uh, that within the health sector, library services, like all other areas, are struggling with reduced budgets, loss of expert staff and increased demand from users. And the network so carefully built up is now under serious threat. So just a word about the hospital. It's one of the best libraries in the Irish Health Service. It's a hospital department staffed by four people and three of us are librarians. We work in an acute setting where we support clinicians to deliver effective evidence-based care. And hospital staff are using our service for two broad reasons. For reasons around a specific patient problem and evidence-based practice, and also for reasons of continuing professional development and pursuing further qualifications. In particular, doctors are using our service for a particular patient in a bed who they need to find out how to treat. And they're also using the published literature for diagnosis and treatment. In a setting where bulk ordering of pillows and pillows, pills and pillows is the norm, it's a hard point to get across that journals are not interchangeable commodities. Even in the pharmacy, you can often replace a branded drug with its cheaper generic equivalent. Uniquely, the library is the only department asking the hospital to make a financial commitment before the new financial year begins, often at a point when the hospital itself does not know its budget for the following year. And not only that, but the library is asking for the hospital to pay for the service up front in January. So even during the years of the Celtic Tiger, it was a hard sell for a medical library to get its budget agreed before the new year, the exact point where you would want to be organizing your subscriptions. I don't know if you can make it out, but there are cranes in the top uh, left, I think it is, top right of this photograph, and this was Ireland in the boom times, um, but dark skies were on the way. So, this was the context for the journal review project, and we thought then that we were facing a cut of about 5%, as we had in the previous year. We'd run journal projects in the past, and realigned the collections with developments in the hospital, and we'd added more titles, and we felt that this had really shown our users that we were responsive to their needs 
and that we had a certain amount of trust from them. And looking at another cut, a second cut for us, we wanted to retain their trust in harder economic times and we wanted to consult with them and be transparent and visible about how we were making our decisions if we were going to be cancelling titles. So our motivation was to equip ourselves with evidence. Usage stats were definitely one part of it, but how could we capture what hospital staff thought important and valued in a short time frame and include that in our decision making? We were motivated by two other reasons. Firstly, to use the project to market our service to hospital staff in case they'd forgotten uh, what a great service they had. And secondly, to build credibility with our senior management team. So we conducted a literature search to help us plan the project. And no surprise to find that budget reductions are a primary driver for libraries in undertaking a journal review. Cancellations can damage a relationship between users and their hospital and their library, especially if communication is poorly or incompletely executed. And cancellations, sorry, and thirdly, libraries are keen to include users in the reviews to safeguard good working relationships and to ensure relevance of collections. One study by Kerry et al. described their objective to conduct a quick cooperative cancellation campaign that minimizes damage to the integrity of the journal collection while maintaining excellence in service to patrons. And this set the tone for our project. We basically had three objectives. We wanted to retain the most relevant, valued and used journals. We wanted to protect our good relationship with staff. And we wanted to meet the budget pro, uh, target. So first we started by identifying our journals and we had 286 at the beginning of 2010. So we coded them by department or within one of four general areas like nursing, medicine, general management or allied health. We identified 50 titles that we were going to keep and you can see a little pie chart there. Some had secure funding, some were part of a package. 1%, that's four titles, were uh, general interest high-use titles like the British Medical Journal. So we had 236 journals left for our review. I'm going to be mentioning Excel spreadsheets. So. <clears throat> right. <laughs> the next step anyway was to elicit staff evaluations. And so we adapted and further developed a rating scale. There it is there. From one to four, we were asking people to rate something, a journal as essential or one of three varieties of cancel. We used the Excel sheet to produce 43 standardized forms adjusted for departments in the hospital. We identified a survey group of 500 senior clinical and management staff in order to represent the range um, of disciplines in the hospital. We also gave it, in these uh, standardized lists, we asked each respondent to rank journals relevant to their discipline. General management titles, including things like the Harvard Business Review. And where applicable, we gave them also the list of the general medical or the general nursing titles. Many of our clinical staff don't use their hospital email. They use Hotmail or Gmail, particularly so in our survey group. So we mailed a print survey to ensure a valid response rate. And we sent a mail shot containing quite a lot of paper. A memo about the project, 
an evaluation sheet. For some disciplines, this was now three pages long, and a second survey about use of the published literature by staff for their work. So then we set about collating cost and usage stats for the journals, and we created a second Excel sheet for this. We calculated cost per use based on the price of the journal, including VAT, um, divided by the number of successful downloads. And unlike the user survey, this Excel sheet had just the 233 journals that were up for review. Just a word about print, because obviously I have a fabulous photo there of many print journals, but in fact, from our observation, once we started to go online, people were not coming up to the library to use them. We are at the end. The education centre is at one-third of a kilometre of a uh, corridor. So we actually set them as equivalent for one download per year. And we were very pleased with our response rate. We got 36% uh, back. We were very pleased with the medical response. They're a hard group to reach and to get any information from. Um, and the rate of response did vary from 100% in some departments down to 12% in surgery. You know, it's uncertain as to how non-responders would have rated the journals, but actually we took the evaluations for department as representative of the whole so that we could use them in our decision making. And even in those departments with a low response rate, they were better than nothing. They gave us an in, some indication, some insight into the department that we wouldn't have had otherwise. So we compiled all of this into our master list. And by the beginning of December 2010, we had two sets of data. And we'd opened up the communication channels with staff. So we were waiting now on the decision about the level of the library budget. So after Christmas 2010, there was an email in my inbox with approval for a budget. Lower than we'd thought, it was 25% lower and a much greater cut than the hospital average of 7%. But it did give us certainty and we could get to work. We calculated a figure for journal expenditure and set the uh, financial target to meet for journal subscriptions. And as you can imagine, there was a considerable gap between what we wanted to be able to buy and the money that we actually had. So, uh, armed with metrics and evaluations, we were equipped for some tough decision-making. My colleague, Tom Martin, and I undertook the decision-making governed by principles that departments would have equitable coverage and that the most used and valued journals would be retained. We set a guide of one journal per discipline to be cancelled. And this was very neatly corresponding to our 25% because most <coughs> departments had four journals. That did range from 14 uh, single-handed uh, units that had one title to some uh, departments that have a national remit, and they would have had up to 12 titles. And we planned that at the conclusion of each round of the de decision-making, we'd uh, note the purchase decision, recalculate the costs, and review the figures against the target. So in round one, we actually looked beyond uh, the scope of the metrics and the evaluations to the no-brainers, if you like. We identified 30 titles, and they were either high-impact, high-use, general titles, or maybe they were a sole title for a discipline, or they were published in Ireland, or we held them as part of a joint reserve. In the second round, again, we took a fairly... Uh, quick approach and we looked at anything costing more than 2,000 
euro including VAT or that had less than 10 downloads in a year and we've tagged 44 journals for probable cancellation and nine came through this you know for instance we did have um, a couple of journals that were a lot more than 2000 but their cost per use was very economical and they got included in So although we had looked and referred to the data sets from the first round, it was in the third round, the longest round, that they really came into significance when the decision-making narrowed to departmental level. So first we reviewed the metrics for department, and then we reviewed the evaluations, and we looked to see was there any correlation between the two. Um, where the metrics didn't show an obvious candidate for cancellation, obviously the evaluations were going to have more weight. There was variation in what people were saying in the evaluations, and what the numbers were saying, I should say. But generally, there was a clear consensus about which journal was judged relevant. And this was great where it indicated that something could be cancelled. But there were other times where all of the journals were deemed to be equally necessary. And in that case, it came back to us as librarians to make the final decision. Now, there were a few departments, and generally they were the larger departments, and of course the consensus broke down in the larger departments. So at the end of round three, we had 55 titles identified for cancellation, and we thought maybe we'd made the target, so we recalculated, and unfortunately, we had to go into a round four. So now clear-cut candidates were more elusive and it became much more difficult to decide between journals based on their data sets. So our knowledge as librarians became increasingly necessary. We looked at previous decisions in the light of the emerging spread across departments. And in order to meet the target, we went to the larger departments first to look for a second title to, uh, to cancel. So now, after every couple of journals, we were recalculating the figures, and when we reached the target, we stopped. We conducted one last round to see that we had a balance um, in the collection, and then we deemed the decision-making completed. So in total, we had 73 titles, which is exactly 25%, as it happens, of the collection that we had uh, identified for cancellation. So as part of the communication piece, which was really important to us, we um, published the project report on our library intranet in May 2011, and we sent an email to all hospital staff. It included a brief description of how we'd gone about the uh, decision-making as described to you here today, and we put up four lists that are just under the picture, and we, every way we thought that a user might want to see how their journal had fared, we put it up. So there were alphabetical and classified lists. And cancel lists were red and retained lists were green. It was very easy to see what we'd kept and what we'd cancelled. And we also gave a key message. Now, it says use the journals. It says if you don't use them, they may be more vulnerable if there are further cuts down the line. And then we asked at the end of this report for feedback. That was typical of the six responses we received, so we didn't really gain any insight into what staff were thinking. Did the lack of feedback mean that we had succeeded in our objective to protect our good relationship with our staff? And although that they didn't like the cancellations, they could see the rigor we brought to the decision making. 
In fact, at the issue desk, when we had conversations around journal uh, cancellation, there was no animosity. Doubtless, there might have been a lack of interest. Maybe, as I say, email is not the best medium to reach our staff. Maybe there was some complacency, ours or theirs. And maybe, and more likely, there was some disheartedness. So, we went into, or continued into 2011, with 213 titles. And although 73 journals represented a 25% reduction, we were confident that we'd retain the most relevant titles. We judged that the evidence-based approach had supported our decision-making and provided us with a basis on which to evaluate journals that were similar in price and impact and coverage, which otherwise would have been difficult for us to differentiate. It had, we felt, <laughs> safeguarded our relationship with staff and we had met the budget target. As we reflected, um, we found that the evaluations weren't as useful as we had anticipated they would be, and it wasn't possible to evaluate uh, journals using solely metrics and the evaluation data. And our knowledge as librarians played a crucial element in the decision-making. If I sound surprised, that's because I was a little bit. I thought the numbers might do some magic. Um, not least because we had, as librarians, it, uh, a disinterested overview of the collection, which no individual or department in the hospital could have shared. And because we had purchasing power, we were able to ensure equitable coverage. Pardon me, I've spoken to the wrong slide. But basically, it was worth doing. So as we prepared in summer 2011 for 2012, it seemed that a further reduction in budget was likely. And indeed there was another reduction of 15%. So we knew for sure we were going to run the project again. And we hoped to improve our methods. And we intended to use a further project to start to leverage advocacy from the hospital staff to get their information needs met. And significantly, we decided that we'd make the final move to online only where possible in 2012 so that the print titles that had made it through the decision-making process had a chance to prove themselves. In rerunning the project in January of this year, we updated the journal metrics and in seeking user evaluations, we retained the rating scale. Uh, hospital staff had used it correctly and um, it had delivered us with usable information. We made some improvements in our learnings from the previous survey though. We reduced the paperwork down to one side of one A4 sheet. We only asked about relevant journals to a discipline. We redesigned the form and made it just a little bit easier to use. We included cost for every title. We thought that might start to inform uh, some, to act as a communication piece and, and inform uh, the rankings. And as well as evaluating each journal using the rating scale, we asked staff to nominate at least one title for cancellation to address the issue where all journals had been rated equally necessary. And we included, as you can see at the bottom there, hopefully, a comments area. And this year, clinical staff told us what they were thinking. We received the clear message that journal cuts had gone too far and that further cuts brought us below levels <coughs> acceptable to them. So we used our decision-making process again. Sorry, our respondents are, it's a very similar picture to the previous year. It's slightly down, but the absolute numbers of respondents are actually up by about 50. 
So we undertook the decision-making process again, and as our insight as librarians had proved so essential to the process, we brought in the third librarian in the service, uh, Jean McMahon, to make sure we had to counteract any bias that two people might have. But there's no doubt that it was a more complex and difficult task to undertake a second time round when the cut had been so severe the previous year. So we identified a further 31 titles and this is our picture over the last few years. We had 300 journals and we've cancelled 118. But if you look at it the other way around, we have 182 titles. That's one third cut over three years. In fact, we're still midway through our 2012 project because we have to do the communication piece back to our users. And we're going to do that in April. We're going to start leveraging their advocacy for getting their information needs met by the library, I should say. And how we're going to do this is survey staff about their use of the published literature, the discovery methods they use, and their experience of the research publishing process in running the first project and uh, the metrics and everything the second time around. We realize how little we know, in fact, about a group we thought we knew very well. So we're actively considering a fundamental change in how we meet these information needs. With value for money and ease of use being key considerations, it's likely that the future lies in developing services that blend journal provision with alternate means of article supply that include just-in-time delivery mechanisms. When we ran the first project, we also asked staff, and we did include a comments box with this, what was their attitude? Did they find supply and demand, article supply and demand, and just-in-time principles, did they find that acceptable? And you can see that nearly half did. One quarter didn't, and the other quarter, just over a quarter, said nothing. So, but the comments actually said, if you can guarantee this will work, we're okay with it. We don't like it, but we're okay with it. So I'd like to close with one of Telehospital's A teams in surgery captured in action here. All the photos you've seen here today have been taken by our clinical photographer in the hospital. So the library too is still operating in difficult times and we have had to make cuts. And I'd like to refocus us that this is the work that the library supports by providing these guys with access to the evidence base. In undertaking the project, we've equipped staff to think seriously about the library and the role it has in the service they provide. And it's time for our users to use their influence and advocate for their information needs to be met. We want them to arm us with the evidence to successfully make the case to restore their access to the literature. And 2012 will see Tala Hospital Library actively engage with staff to capture their use of the journal literature in their work for safe, effective patient care. And finally, I'd like to leave you with the thought that publishers have a role to play. And I would welcome collaboration with you to develop models that provide access to the evidence base for the doctors and the nurses and the other healthcare professionals who care for us all. Thank you very much. Right. Uh, do we have any questions for Anne? Yes, Diana over there. Could somebody... A microphone will come to you. 
Sarah. Sorry. Yes, yes. Uh, try again. We, I can't actually we hear. We can't hear. The... Can we try another microphone? Another microphone, Chris. The joys of technology. Right. We're getting no sound on the portable mics. Try now. Not particularly, but no. if you shout. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. I'm worried that actually uh, the hospital staff's advocacy will be quite difficult to leverage and it's our job to make it as easy possible. The surgeons are actually a group that talk regularly with us, you know, and they know us by name and um, we, we would do things like go to the grand rounds on a Friday morning, so they know our faces too. Now it tends to be their registrars rather than the consultant surgeons who use us, but they do use us a lot. Um, so yes, I am worried, but I think we need to take steps. 12% actually reflects to me that they, it reflects how busy they are, how time poor they are. It's not a lack of interest, I don't think. And I think that's where our information, our knowledge of our organization as a librarian, which is essential, comes into play, that we can read a figure like that and not get disheartened ourselves. Thank you. Any more questions? Right, I, I have one before we close. Um, a cut of that nature, I mean, that I think is staggering by UK standards. We've certainly at Lancaster faced cuts in the past, but nothing of that order. Uh, and any cut of that nature would normally, uh, in the institutions I've worked in, been accompanied by uh, a close scrutiny of our staffing. Did that happen? How many staff did you have? Uh, do, do you have and, and what, what percentage of your outgoings are staff-based? Well, about five years ago, we had twice the number of staff that we have now. And, you know, there's an embargo in Ireland in public uh, sector recruitment. And so as people left, they weren't replaced. Um, but five years ago, our non-pay and our pay would have been about even. And in fact, now they've come back to even for really quite... Um, not good reasons, but for a while there are non-pay, and we'd be unusual in the hospital in having that kind of a divide. In a hospital, of course, most of the money is going on the salaries of the professionals who are delivering care. So we're very unusual in a hospital setting to the hospital. The hospital doesn't quite know what to make of a, a department that has um, unique products that um, it can't quite see. It, and they don't order, we order them. Um, so yeah, it's interesting. Thank you very much. Oh, there is this one. Can I ask you, in view of the experience with the portable microphones, if you could come down to the number f Right. <laughs> Thank you. Thank, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you.
Right.